We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the RotoWire Prospect Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson. And today we'll be doing our usual uh, last Wednesday of the month mailbag episode. And of course, I'll be focusing on the update to the top 400 prospect rankings that went live earlier today. Uh, this is the last update of the regular season for those. Um, I'll probably be doing a big uh, final kind of update of 2022 uh, just after the the season ends. Um, and then I'm going to go on vacation and uh, we'll have the, the really big off season update kind of around uh, new year's, but um, this will be the last one. Uh, well, you can still make pickups in your leagues. Um, so definitely check it out. And the ETAs, the team top twenties, uh, the article uh, all going up tomorrow, Thursday. Uh, remember to, you know, to get the most value out of these, you should definitely sync uh, the rankings up to, to your leagues. Uh, that's just such a game changer. It saves you a ton of time. You can see uh, who the best free agents are in your league. Uh, also had a question from someone wondering if there was a way they could filter out the uh, first year draft players. And of course that that's a key aspect to this in most ice leagues where there's not an open universe and you can do that. You can go to the, the, the prospect rankings, you can click on the green button that says add filter. And then you can click on uh, the signed button and then just do uh, less than 2022. And that'll exclude all the guys that uh, were drafted uh, a month ago. Uh, and then the first question I had was from uh, Notorious DAD. And he wanted to know, will the dynasty rankings be updated before next spring? Of course, the Dynasty Rankings will be updated before next spring. There will be a, a big Dynasty Rankings update um, probably in October-ish, um, early November. Basically, uh, the, that Dynasty Rankings update is kind of my first step into prepping for uh, redraft leagues for 2023 and I'm probably going to get sucked into another one of those or, or two before uh, 2023 actually gets here. So I'll need to have those dice rankings updated. Um, so those will be 
those will be done in the fall and then they'll be updated again in the spring before opening day. Uh, but the first uh, question pertaining to the actual uh, kind of prospects uh, comes from minor league enthusiast. And he wants to know uh, Corbin Carroll or Bo Bichette long-term in dynasty. And I uh, wanted to start things off with a Corbin Carroll question. Uh, really can't emphasize enough how, how high I am on Corbin Carroll uh, for fantasy, um, both in the short term and the long term. Um, you know, I really think the uh, Trey Turner comparison works pretty well um, with him. And obviously Trey Turner was the, the number one pick this past year in redraft. He'll probably be the number one pick again next year in redraft. And, you know, I'm not saying Corbin Carroll will be a number one overall pick caliber player in his prime, but I think it's very clear uh, how he could get there. So uh, Corbin Carroll, I think, is a, is a fantasy superstar in the making. Um, very clear number one prospect for me for Dynasty Leagues. And I think I would probably take him over Boba Shett at this point, especially in OBP. In OBP, it's 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 probably pretty easy at this point, just given Boba Shett's uh, kind of weaknesses in that one category. Uh, but even in batting average leagues, I think I'd probably take Carroll. Uh, Jake Liana asked if there's any chance that Jackson Churio gets a late call up in 2023. Yeah, I think that that could happen. Uh, he's he's kind of one of those really rare guys that just kind of keeps, um, you know, breaking trends, beating the odds in terms of just how quickly he's ascending in the minor league ranks and um you know i could see a scenario where in big league spring training next year churio is the talk of brewers camp and uh maybe even gets like an aggressive assignment to double a as a 19 year old and you know from there all bets would be off uh and this this kind of current trend we have uh given the new rules and everything where the very best prospects who are at uh, AAA are are debuting um, in September, you know, I, I think it's very possible Churio could be on that type of track. Uh, I don't think I have a 2023 ETA for him. I think I've got him at 2024, but uh, wouldn't rule out 2023. Uh, I had a few questions here uh, about Miguel Vargas, who I absolutely love. Uh, he's he's one of my favorite prospects in the game. Uh, he doesn't really run, but I mean, if you were just if you were in a four category league that didn't factor in stolen bases, uh, I mean, I think he he's right near the top. Uh, I ended up ranking him eighth on this last update. Uh, but Cam Anderson wanted to know uh, if Vargas is going to have any redraft value to close out the year, or if he's just br- being brought up uh, as like a utility bench guy. Um, you know, I think he probably would need an injury to someone ahead of him to play more than once or twice a week. But um, you never you never know. I mean, he's talented enough that the Dodgers obviously are going to try to win a World Series. Uh, maybe he just tears the cover off the ball in September, and by the end of the month, he's playing pretty regularly. But uh, I wouldn't wouldn't expect that. And then Artur Dominguez. Uh, this is kind of a question I got a couple times. Uh, he wanted to know if there are any playing time concerns with Miguel Vargas in LA. Um, he wants to know 
how I expect him to be used in 2023, what I believe his floor and ceiling can be for fantasy. Uh, you know, I think, you know, with Justin Turner and Max Muncy both being back next year, it's possible that the team could break camp without Vargas um, if everyone's healthy. Uh, but he's also played 23 games in left field this year at AAA. So that's, you know, that's one way that he could get in there. I think they'll probably uh, give him plenty of reps in the outfield uh, during spring training. But also like Justin Turner, Max Muncy, not um, guys that have been all that durable. So, and I think Vargas might just be flat out better than those guys. Like he might already just be better than those guys. And that doesn't mean that he gets to play over them. Uh, Dave Roberts is going to be loyal to those guys. Um, so, I mean, there there is some sort of Kyle Tucker risk here. Uh, you all remember, you know, sort of how frustrating it was, sort of how long the Astros held Tucker down at AAA. I mean, that could, that could happen with Vargas, but I would just, just caution against in Dynasty specifically, just don't worry about that. Like Vargas, I think after Corbin Carroll, I think I could argue that Vargas has the highest floor of any prospect in the minors. Um, so just be patient in Dynasty uh, for sure. Like definitely don't panic if, you know, if we're in May of next year and Vargas is just mashing at AAA and there's no easy way for him to get up. Um Definitely don't panic in Dynasty. Uh, for redraft, you know, I think he's he's probably kind of more of a draft and hold target. Uh, I think at some point next year, just odds are um, someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to be struggling. Um, maybe he can handle left field. Maybe he breaks camp as a, as a corner outfielder for the Dodgers next year. But, um, you know, I think it's 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 best to kind of preach patience here with uh, Miguel Vargas and the Dodgers. Um, Mike Sheets, uh, the inaugural Tout Wars Draft and Hold champion, asked if Kyle Manzardo's bat is good enough for him to be a true everyday player in Tampa like Wander Franco, or is there still legitimate risk that he'll be platooned like so many other Rays hitters? Um that's a good question. You know, I think Manzardo, uh, give, like I ranked him where I did uh, top 15 because I think he could be like a Freddie Freeman caliber, <laughs> like first baseman. Like he's just sky's the limit offensively for him. He could be a guy that regularly hits over 300 with a OBP over 400 with 30 plus homers. So uh, I absolutely think, and then look at, just look at the Rays offense this year. Like if, if you have a guy who's as good as I think Kyle Manzardo can be, uh, as early as next summer, uh, there's no, there's going to be no platooning him really. Um, but that said, like, you know, you can't rule anything out with the Rays. I just think the ceiling is so high with Manzardo and the, the long-term floor also seems to be pretty high to me. Um, the short-term floor might not be that high. They could they could raise him next year and he could just be jerked around. It could be really frustrating, but um, long-term I, I think Kyle Manzardo is, is really, really special as a hitter uh, plus plus hit tool. Um, he's kind of proven uh, evaluators who didn't have a plus power grade on him to be wrong. I think this year with what he's done uh, at high A and double A. So um, 
I don't think there's really any flaws to point to with Manzardo. Like he hits better against righties than he does lefties, but he's still a, he projects to be well above league average against same handed pitchers. So uh, my my hope and the reason why I ranked him where I did is because I, I do think he can be an everyday guy. Uh, Mike Greer said he is kind of surprised James Wood didn't get a bump in the ranks. Um, that said, he says he knows the difference is minuscule, but can you explain why Drew Jones is still ahead of uh, Wood? Um, yeah, you know, I, I think you could flip-flop those guys pretty easily. I don't feel super strongly that it should be Jones over Wood. I just I do think Jones... Um, like physically, I like where he's at and where he projects to be like seven years from now more than James Wood. James Wood's six seven. He's going to only get bigger. Um, Drew Jones is just this absolute like perfect athletic six uh, four um, body's going to age perfectly. Um, speed's probably going to age better than Woods. Uh, Wood maybe has a higher ceiling in the power department and Wood is obviously more proven than Jones considering Jones hasn't played a pro game, but um, this is really more about Jones to me than, than it is Wood, like how special Jones is. Uh, you know, Wood, I think, I think I had him like 11 on the last update. He's 11 now. Um, nobody graduated in front of him, if I'm remembering correctly. So I mean, you could move, you could move him over Jones if you wanted to at ten. I guess you could move him over Anthony Volpe at nine if you really wanted to, but I don't I don't know how you could push Wood uh, much higher than nine, uh, especially just given how high I I am on Vargas. I mean, Vargas is basically big league ready, and Wood's not going to be big league ready for a couple of years. Um, so I don't I don't think you could bump Wood too much higher than eleven personally. Uh, Dandy Chiggins asks, is Colton Kowser OBP dynasty gold? How much power can you see him growing into? Yeah. Kowser was someone that I was, uh, I was pretty wrong about at least initially. Um, I thought he was going to be kind of more of a, a tweener, uh, that fit better in like a corner. And I was kind of unsure about the power and you know, the more, the more I watch him, the more, um, the, the bigger sample we get of Colton Kowser. I do think he might be, uh, really pretty special in OBP leagues, especially, uh, like Dandy asked. And, uh, like I said, on last week's podcast, I mean, it's just imagining him as like a leadoff hitter with Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rutschman behind him in the lineup. I mean, that could just be, a a really special place to hit um, from a counting stat perspective. And I think he's got 2020 upside uh, from a power speed standpoint. So uh, yeah, cows are even more valuable in OBP leagues than, than batting average leagues. Uh, Dandy also asked uh, for next season, will Cody Morris be a starter or reliever? Uh, they're going to have to manage his innings next year. Um, that's kind of the big bummer about this year being, kind of a loss year, even though he's just been pitching so great lately and he's going to be up for September. But, um, 
you know, given his age, I think he's going to be 26 next year. And the fact that he's probably not going to be able to throw more than like 120 innings, um, they're going to have to manage him, obviously. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he made the team as a reliever next year and then kind of gradually got stretched out, maybe even got sent back to AAA to stretch out and then join the rotation in the summer. But, um, yeah, I mean, Cody Morris, the, the main thing is just the durability issues. And the durability issues could lead to him being a reliever. And so um, it's easy to kind of fall in love with just how dominant he is right now. Uh, the stuff is nasty. Uh, if we just could make him stay healthy, I mean, it, he could be a top five pitching prospect, but I just think there's, there is a, still a ton of durability issue, issues with him. Uh, Bobby Borgist asked, uh, what do you think the potential is for Marcelo Mayer in Boston? And when do you see that happening? So he's at high A right now. Uh, I think he'll probably go to high A again next year. Maybe he gets to double A around July or, or June, maybe something like that, and finishes the year at double A. So 2024 at the earliest, I think, for Mayer. Um, the obvious comp, like the one that you hear a lot, is Corey Seager. I think that that is uh, pretty apt, just given his size, the hit tool projection. Um, you know, eventually he probably becomes like this this thirty homer type of guy, like Seager is. So, uh, not a four, not a five category guy, uh, a four category guy for sure. Maybe more valuable in OBP than batting average, but probably too early to say there. Um, so, I mean, you're you're really just kind of hoping for a guy who's hitting second or third in a lineup and just racking up the runs, RBI, home runs, hitting for a good average, that type of thing. Uh, J.H. Schroeder wants to know why there was no bump for Blaze Jordan. Said he's second best uh, WRC plus at high A for anyone under 20. I mean, that's a pretty small sample uh, that you're citing on that that high A leaderboard. Uh, 18 games, and he's got a, he's got a 455 Babbitt in those 18 games. Uh, I definitely want to believe in Blaze Jordan. Like I, I've I've been high on him. Uh, since he got drafted, you do hear like a lot of scouts talk about how he can't handle premium velocity. Um, so that could be an issue and high A, like he'll get some of that. Um, double A is really kind of the big test for blaze. And he's just, uh, like he's gotta be able to hit enough that DHing him is, is viable. I think just given like, he's so massive. Um, his he's already kind of got a Dan Vogelbach sized head. Um, the bot, the below the head, he's not in Vogelbach territory yet, but um, I don't see him being, um, you know, anything better than maybe like fringe average defensively at first base. So, so much pressure on his bat and he's, he's so um, kind of, talented um and kind of a prodigy almost that him doing well in the lower levels it's it's good but you do i am kind of like cautious on jordan still in terms of where to rank him but i you know i if someone wanted to say he's top 75 top 70 top 65 like you know that that might end up looking smart but i'm, I'm kind of hesitant to quite go there just yet um 
Cam Gustafson asked uh, who my favorite player to boost up the rankings was and the most heartbreaking to drop down the rankings. Uh, well, you know, Manzardo was a guy that I was fairly high on for first year player draft. So that, that was fun. I mean, I fully bought in on, on his skills. Uh, I was definitely slow to get there on Andrew Painter, uh, but I watched a decent amount of Andrew Painter uh, recently. And um, he's, he's absolutely the real deal. Uh, this is kind of the point for, for a guy like Andrew Painter uh, where he's, you know, he's, he's at double A's, he's making waves. This is kind of the point where the, the prep righty, something goes wrong, you know, an injury or something like that. So hoping that doesn't happen to Painter, but I think the, what he's putting on tape, what he's, what he's doing, how deep he's pitching into games. Like he's going like six, seven innings. Whereas like, you know, Ricky Tiedemann's going like three, four innings, which is fine. Like, I mean, the Jays have to manage Tiedemann, um, but like, painter it's just the only real risk is just an injury at this point i think he's just a, a total stud but um kind of more less obvious ones uh aaron zavala uh with the rangers i think is one of the uh biggest sleepers in the minors like everyone you know knows about him um he's probably ranked in everyone's top 100 i would assume at this point but uh, like I bumped him up to 52. I'm surprised nobody asked about him, um, but I, I'm, I'm a big believer in Zavala. Um, but the the clear answer for me in terms of um, who was the most fun to boost up uh, was Connor Norby um, with the Orioles. I mean, I, I was really really high on him pre-draft, and it took him a it took him a couple months to really kind of make me feel like I was right about that one, but. Uh, he's just been on, on such a tear lately. And uh, he, like kind of Colton Kowser, I think Norby is starting to look like a pretty um, kind of clear building block for them, uh, at least long term at uh, at second base. Um, and he's got some speed. Uh, he's he's actually, you know, he's hitting for more power than I, than I thought. I thought it was going to be kind of more of a just all around, like he's he's hitting for a high average, he's hitting for some pop, he's still in a ton of bases, uh, but he's gotten to more power than I, than I would have thought. So I really love bumping Connor Norby up, uh, bumped him up inside the top 50. And then uh, on the negative side of that question, most heartbreaking to drop, you know, I'm not, I don't, <laughs> I don't get that emotional. Like I'm not, I'm not heartbroken about where anyone's ranked, but um Austin Martin now being kind of a borderline top 300 prospect uh, and, and Reginald Preciado falling off the rankings completely. Uh, just, just two guys that I was super, super wrong about uh, a year ago. And I still do. I just don't know what's going on with Austin Martin. I, I really thought like, I really thought he was just kind of, you know, DJ LeMayhew with some speed and then maybe, if he's not quite that, then he's, you know, just another type of guy that that's getting on base a ton and stealing like 15, 20 bases and hitting, you know, 10, 12 homers leading off, maybe hitting second, maybe. And that just, 
hasn't developed at all. I don't know if he's injured or something off the field or, or what with Austin Martin, but uh, that's that's a really puzzling one. And then, uh, yeah, Preciado obviously is just. Um, I mean, that's that's more on me than on on him. <laughs> I think I was out on a limb a little bit with where I had Preciado ranked. Um, Kyle Brown asked, uh, "Do you foresee Kyle Harrison rising to SP one?" in the prospect rankings next season. Well, let's look at the pitchers. Uh, so Grayson Rodriguez hopefully hopefully graduates ahead of Kyle Harrison. If, if not, then uh, injuries were an issue there. Um, so I have Painter ahead of Harrison. I have Tiedemann ahead of Harrison. Um, I think those three, Painter, Tiedemann, Harrison – and I'll I'll even throw Uri Perez in there. Perez dropped a little bit because um, he's dealing with a, a shoulder issue, and he was like terrible in his three most recent starts. So I think they're labeling it as fatigue, but I'm I'm a little worried that it could be more than just fatigue there. Um, but I think you know let's just assume Perez is healthy. Uh, next year and Harrison and Tiedemann and Painter are all healthy next year. Uh, anyone's guess really as to which of those four, what order those four kind of graduate. But I could see, you know, Painter, like the Phillies are always in win now mode. I could see Painter maybe even making the rotation out of camp. Um, Tiedemann, I mean, the Blue Jays have shown a willingness to be uh, pretty aggressive with pitching prospects. Um, so I, I think he could, he could possibly graduate ahead of Harrison and I've got those guys so close, all, all four of those guys are really so close. So, I mean, it, it kind of would come down to who's graduating when. Um, but I mean, if with Harrison, the main thing is just like the, the walks kind of stand out, uh, the strikeouts stand out too, but, Compared to these other guys, like Harrison definitely has the, the biggest uh, control issues. So um, I think he'd probably, I'll, I'll probably have him behind Painter and Tiedemann as long as those guys haven't done anything wrong until Harrison can kind of improve that control. So I, I'll say maybe on that, but uh, not necessarily uh, likely. All right, we're going to head to a message from our sponsors, and then I'll address all the James Outman questions. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The weather is heating up and so are the promotions at Caesars Sportsbook. Today, anyone who is at least 21 years old and in licensed Caesars Sportsbook state can create a new account and redeem the Caesars Sportsbook promo code ROTO15. That's R-O-T-O-1-5. The promo code gives a new user a risk-free bet up to $1,500. Visit Caesars.com slash sportsbooks or download the Caesars Sportsbook app today. And don't forget to use the promo code ROTO15 when signing up. All right. So Kale Loken and Jock Thompson and maybe a few others uh, asked uh, or basically kind of suggested that James Outman is still underrated. Um, So where did I have him rank? I I ranked Outman at 208. Uh, You know, I just, I don't, get i don't really get um there's there and it wasn't even just like in response to me asking for mailbag questions like i remember like a couple days ago someone asked like is james outman going to be a big riser like that type of thing um i mean he's still so he's in a, a super crowded organization obviously i mean he is on the 40 man but i mean we we're just talking about like miguel vargas having a hard time breaking in for, for playing time um so I don't think it's going to be easy for Outman to break through, although I think he could be a, a pretty quality defender. Uh, but he's all, I think people, and and then I think, you know, someone phrased it, it might've been Kale where he's kind of like, you know, he's a little old and the strikeouts are a little high. Honestly, for a guy who's 25, the strikeouts are just really high. Um, you know, 28% K rate this year between double A AA and triple A. Uh, 13% walk rate and he's 25 and he opened the year at, at double a that's basically the, the same, it's, it's basically the same, uh, strikeout rate and walk rate to what Riley green had at double a AA and triple a as a 20 year old. So that's a five year gap there. So, I mean, it, I think it's just, it's a really high strikeout rate for someone his age. Now, I think Jock framed it as like, you know, he's a late bloomer. Um, you know, that's partly true, but, you know, late bloomer also often ends up being like quad A guy. Um, like you develop into just a guy that just mashes at AAA. And so I, I don't know. I think I think putting him at, at around 200 is, is perfectly reasonable. Um you know, I mean, the, the Dodgers just always have 
guys come in, they always have a, a log jam of sorts. Um, you know, it took like Gavin Lux probably was overrated by me and everyone else when he was a prospect, but still, even if you want to just say he was like a top 20 prospect, uh, it took him forever to, to kind of break through and to, to playing time. And even now he kind of sits against lefties and, um, you know, Miguel Vargas is going to have a hard time breaking in right away, or at least when he deserves to. So I'm just not going to assume that the Dodgers are going to have playing time available for Outman as more than like a fourth outfielder. Uh, also can't assume that they're going to trade him. Um, so I, yeah, I just, I, I can't quite get there on him. Um, let's see. Um, Toolsy asked, would you try to get in on Tink Hence early? Well, I think getting in on Tink Hence early would have been getting in on Tink Hence like two or three months ago when I had Bailey Srebnik on the podcast and he was pumping him up. Um, right now, I think most people probably see him as like a top 100 prospect. So, you know, I mean, in, in shallower leagues, like if Tink Hence is available in your league, uh, would I pick him up? Um, probably. I mean, I think Tink Hence could be the number one pitching prospect someday. Um, I don't think I would trade for him right now. I mean, maybe maybe you could still get him cheap enough that it makes sense. But, I mean, he is – there are still a ton of risk obstacles for Tink Hence to, to jump over. Uh, he could easily get injured and miss, you know, two years. And so, I mean, it's still incredibly risky. Like he has number one pitching prospect upside, I think pretty clearly, um, potentially frontline, uh, upside in the big leagues someday, great organization to come up in as a pitcher. Um, but there's a lot of risk there. So if you're trading for him now, I wouldn't call that getting in early. I'd say that getting in, you know, kind of the same as if you had traded for, um, like Taj Bradley a year ago and that's worked out pretty good. Um, but Taj Bradley still isn't in the majors and he could still get hurt before he gets to the majors. Uh, prospect sauce asked, do you think Andy Rodriguez with the pirates ultimately sticks at catcher and how would a positional change affect his value? So Andy Rodriguez, um, I just want to look at the catchers. Um, he's my eighth ranked catcher right now. Uh, still have Tyler Soderstrom listed as a catcher. We should probably change that to first base, but um, you know, you could Andy Rodriguez top 10 catching prospect. I had uh, eight catchers in my top 100 and 10 in my top 115. So just so so much catching talent in the minors right now. And and like every single catcher on my rankings has either an up arrow or no arrow or a blue plus sign, which means they were added. So not a single catcher dropped in my rankings on this update. Um, they're just all performing so well. Uh, I just I can't get over that. It's so weird compared to like where we were like five years ago with catching prospects. But um you know, with Andy, uh, my hope, if you know, I have him in a, in a dynasty league or two, uh, I'd be hoping that he isn't just a straight catcher. Like, 
because he's so athletic. I mean, it's it's like Andy Rodriguez, Harry Ford, and Bo Naylor are probably like the most athletic of the catching prospects. And Andy, I think, could handle uh, a corner outfield spot or maybe even like, I mean, I don't think he'd play third base in Pittsburgh, but, um, you know, I think he's got enough defensive versatility where he could maybe play other positions when he's not catching. So that's what I'd be hoping for. I mean, that's kind of the dream with like a, a Dalton Varsho type is that uh, you're getting that that bulk playing time uh, or even like Alejandro Kirk with like the DH, that type of thing. Um, he's not a lock to stick behind the plate, but I do think he's a pretty good bet to catch enough to retain eligibility there, at least um, early on in his career. And then like Henry Davis with those two guys being on the same team. I mean, I think Henry Davis could play some first base, some DH. Andy Rodriguez probably plays uh, higher up the defensive spectrum than, than Davis when he's not catching. Uh, Cam Gustafson asked what changed for Oswald Peraza. Uh, I, that was just me writing a wrong. I, I had him way too low on the last update. Um, I, multiple people brought that up to me and I just, I kind of, I mean, when you're doing these, uh, dives on, you know, 500 players or whatever, uh, you're not going to catch everything. And I just, I'd missed that he, he was heating up, uh, at the time of my last update. And, um, so yeah, I just had him in a, a bad spot on the rankings the last time. Uh, Toad asked, what's Vaughn Grissom's ceiling and where might he rank for next season? Uh, well, he's at, uh, so far this season, between the minors and the majors, he's at 17 homers and 30 steals. I think like a peak Vaughn Grissom season is, is kind of like 2020, if everything goes right. Um, I don't think he's a 30 steal guy. But I also think some people are maybe selling him short for the type of power he'll get to in his in his peak years. But it could come with an elite batting average. Like, you know, how many 2020 guys are hitting 300 or better? Like, that that could be Von Grissom um, at his peak. And then, uh, you know, he could be one of the best guys for runs scored. Like, RBI could end up being his, his weakest category, but still not bad. Um for next season, you know, I did that uh, that first NFBC draft that Rob DiPietro put on where we did seven rounds, um, and he didn't go in that. So that's, what, um, 105 picks. So he didn't go in the first 105 picks. If we had just done that draft all the way through, um, this was like two weeks ago, if we'd just done that draft all the way through, I would have taken Von Grissom in the like 125, 150 range. Uh, if he doesn't cool off down the stretch, I think he probably goes higher than that in, in redraft leagues next year. But uh, as things stand right now, I'd be very comfortable taking him top uh, 150. And by the time uh, next March rolls around, I could see him being going quite a bit higher. I mean, he could go could go lower though too. I mean, if he just gets ice cold at the plate, and then looking at next year, there's not like an obvious place for him to play or something like that. I mean, he, he's not a lock to have an ADP inside the top 150, but that's that's where I take him right now. 
Uh, DJ asked, uh, does Edward Julian get the love he deserves? Look like a future, looks like a future OBP monster. Um, yeah, I mean, Edward Julian for the people, I mean, there's so many people on, on the internet right now that do such a good job, uh, putting together like leaderboards and rankings and stuff like that with, uh, statistical formulas and Julian's always going to show up really well on those. Um, I don't think you can rely on those because like, for instance, um, let me just pull it up. So Julian has 28 or no, he has 15 steals this year in 97 games. He had 34 steals last year. Um, Like this is a guy with no defensive home. I think the twins are supposedly kind of trying him at second base, but I mean, part of the reason they, you know, he was just not a much of a draft prospect was just, he had no defensive utility. So like, I think when you're evaluating Julian for fantasy, like think of him as a designated hitter, basically. So like all the value he provides his team has to come at the plate and it has to be enough production that they put up with his uh, defensive deficiencies. And then you also have to think of Julian as a zero speed guy, despite his minor league stolen base totals. So, and the, and the twins already have a handful of, kind of core players that don't bring much to the table defensively. So I just, I don't know. I don't know where to rank him, honestly. It's it's not like you just get to look at what he's doing, look at the walk rate, you know, look at the, the OBPs and then say, all right, let's give him 140 games in the big leagues for his age 25 season. And here's what that works out to be. Uh, because there's no guarantee at all that a big league team is going to give a guy like this that much playing time. Uh, especially when you have kind of that amount of um, competing players for, for those at bats. So um, he has a, he has a chance to kind of make all of the prospect rankers uh, look foolish for not having him as like a top 50 prospect. But I just think there are a lot of factors that go into Edward Julian that don't necessarily go into his, just his numbers that you can see, like his hard hit date is great, all that stuff. But, um, you do have to think about the defense. You do have to think about the team context, and and you have to be aware of the fact that he's not going to steal bases in the majors. Uh, CW asked, "How high can Carlos Jorge be this time next year?" Carlos Jorge of the Reds, who's in the complex league right now. Uh, I mean, this is an impossible question to answer, but um, you know, let's say that he because when he signed, um, he wasn't a pop up guy. Um, he, he had one of the best hit tools and track records of, of hitting in games from that class. Um, the hit tool, let's see how that develops. You know, if he goes to single A next year and he's hitting close to 300, I'd like to see the strikeout rate be lower than where it is right now at, at complex ball as an 18 year old. Um, but I mean, if he's, if he kind of gets back to being this hit tool first guy, um, you know, he could be a top 50 prospect a year from now. Um, and that could even be without him ever getting to high a, 
Um, but he also could really, really struggle at, at single A. So I don't, I don't know where he'll be next year. Uh, Toolsy uh, says Gavin Williams seems to be undervalued. What kind of ceiling does he have? There are so many spot. There are only so many spots available in that rotation. Uh, I mean, where do I have Gavin Williams? I have him as the eighth best pitching prospect. Is that undervalued? Like, should he be ahead of Espino or Taj Bradley or Uri Perez? Um, maybe. Um, it is interesting that I have my seventh, eighth, and ninth ranked pitching prospects are all guardians. So, yeah, I mean, Toolsy's right. I mean, there are only so many spots available in that rotation. Um, a nice thing working in uh, in Gavin Williams and Cody Morris's favor is that Daniel Spino. I mean, is he going to be able to even throw a hundred innings next year? Um, I mean, that, that's going to be an issue for him. So, uh, Williams could definitely beat Espino to the big league rotation. I think he has like number two starter upside from like a real life standpoint. Um, maybe a high strikeout, like think like a high strikeout top 25 fantasy starter. I think that that's, uh, a reasonable ceiling for Gavin Williams. So, I mean, he could be absolutely great, but um, I did see that like his velocity was down like a couple starts ago. Um, so, I mean, he's, he's still in a high risk uh, grouping of guys, just given how hard he throws. So, um, you know, I think easy top 10 pitching prospect for me. Uh, CW said, talk us off the Nick York ledge. Um, so last, like chalk it up to last season due to injuries and bad luck on balls in play, um, following a truly elite first full season. Like I think the, his 2021 seasons doing a lot of the lifting here on uh, him still being a top 50 prospect, but we have to factor in the 2021 season and you know, that that's, I guess, me talking you off a ledge, um, like just kind of arguing in favor of patience on a, a guy who, and maybe I was just wrong. I mean, maybe, maybe I should have had him ranked like 50 coming into the year. And then this performance should have him more as like a borderline top 100 guy. But I, I think he's, I think he's closer to what he did last year than what he's doing this year. Um, so I just, and I'm not the most patient guy. Like I know like Welsh is always more patient with guys than I am. I'm not the most patient guy, but I, with guys I really believe in like York, I'm going to be patient with them. Um, now, if that didn't talk you off the ledge and you're not going to be as patient as I am with Nick York, then just trade him, you know? Um, like if, if you're just going to be annoyed by him being on your team all off season, then you could trade him and get something pretty solid for him still. Uh, Scott asked, or he says, a bit surprised to see your renowned love for Pedro Leon has faded with the, dr the dreaded double down arrow, especially since I feel like he was pretty hot before the injury and the injury was not self-inflicted, kind of fluky thoughts. Um, yeah, so this is kind of, yeah, I mean, this is sort of a, a PSA for, um, like, I'm just going to look at the, the 
top 100 and the guys with, you know, most of the guys, so guys with down arrows where I'm concerned. Um, Robert Hassel has double down arrows, kind of touched on that last week. Uh, he, you know, that fall was intentional. Uh, Elijah Green striking out a little more than I'd like. Tamar Johnson off to a bit of a slow start. They have single down arrows. Those were intentional. Uh, Colson Montgomery and Edwin Royal single down arrows. They've cooled off. Uh, that's intentional. Uh, Nick York single down arrow. Um, that was kind of intentional, but also just kind of, you know, guys moving ahead of him. But then we get to this range, this range from 59 to um, basically 67. And you have double down arrows for Jonathan Aranda, single down arrow for Asturi Ruiz, double down arrow for Pedro Leon, single down arrow for Yidi Cape, single down arrow for Dustin Harris, single down arrow for Jacob Berry. Um, I'm not, I would not want anyone to think that I am worried or low on any of those guys I just listed. Aranda, Ruiz, Leon, Cape, Harris, and Barry. Um, but you just have to look at all the green arrows ahead of them in the mid fifties to forties. Like, um, you know, guys like. Kyle Manzardo and Colton Kowser were ranked and Andrew Painter were ranked behind Pedro Leon on the last update. So, and Evan Carter, um, and Connor Norby and Aaron Zavala and Cody Morris and Hunter Brown. So like all those guys moving up means that some guys have to move down. My opinion on Leon really hasn't changed. I, it could have been, lifted up um if he'd been a bit more consistent this season um you know he's still he's a he's a hit tool risk but i think there's a very high ceiling there uh from a power speed standpoint if he hits enough um i mean this could be like um like he could be kind of and, and he's a he's a high walk rate guy so i i think the ceiling is still there. The Crawford boxes. I mean, very few players in the minors have a home run swing that's more geared towards taking advantage of the Crawford boxes than Pedro Leon. And the speed is absolutely, um, you know, plus plus. He walks a lot. So there's still a lot to like with Pedro Leon. It's just more of a issue of the guys that, that jumped him. Uh, St. Louis Perfectos asked does a healthy matt allen compare to the prep arms of dylan lesko or brock porter and he kind of asked that uh just kind of given that allen's you know almost back from tommy john surgery lesko's recovering from tommy john surgery um so lesko is the most talented of the three um but he's also you know he's not gonna pitch and when's he gonna pitch in a program like might not even be till 2024. Um, Allen, I think, is the second most talented of the three. Brock Porter's third most talented of the three. So um, if all three were healthy, it would go Lesko, Allen, Porter. And honestly, probably a like Porter, kind of a distant third 
if, if all three are healthy, but Porter is healthy and the other two aren't. So, um, yeah, Matt Allen, I think there, I think we had a, a note up on the site saying that he, he might throw before the end of the year. Um, we'll see, but I, I think the hope with Matt Allen is that he's healthy for 2023. Lesko still won't be healthy for 2023, but, uh, yeah, he compares very favorably to any, uh, recent prep right-handers, uh, other than Andrew Painter. Okay. Um, J.H. Schroeder asked if there if I have any favorite minor league relievers in the mold of a Emmanuel Classe, Johan Duran, or Felix Bautista. Uh, so yeah, I mean, like Bautista, I didn't see coming at all. Um, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, uh, some people like co-managed teams with were were all over it. Um, so I have some Bautista in my life, but. Uh, didn't see that coming, uh, at least in time to add him in like a dynasty league. Um, uh, Emmanuel Classe, I did see coming, but then you had that that uh, suspension, um, PD suspension, and he hadn't like proven anything at that point in the majors. So I think I cut bait with him in some dynasty leagues, and obviously regret that. Um, Johan Duran, I I did see coming as soon as it was clear they were they're kind of cutting the developing him as a starter thing because um, like that's and I'm going to list some guys right now where as soon as their team decides to pull the plug on developing them as a starter, then all of a sudden I think their their value might actually go up in dynasty leagues. Um, well, like Emmanuel Classe and Andres Munoz really are like the only two examples I can think of where it was like. This is a a reliever all the way in the minors with a very high upside for fantasy. Usually, it's a failed starter. Um, in terms of just straight up relievers, Mark Church with the Rangers is one that comes to mind. Um, especially just since I think that that ninth inning could be up for grabs at some point in the next year or two. Um, but like here, here are some starters that I think have significant relief risk um that could end up like helping you out as as closers in like two three four years something like that um griff mcgarry with the phillies uh emiliano teodo with the rangers brian bayo with the red sox uh ben brown with the cubs freddie tarnock with atlanta uh, DJ Hers also with the Cubs, Yosfer Zuleta with the Blue Jays, Matt Canarino uh, with the Twins once he recovers from Tommy John surgery, which he just had. Um, really, any of the non-Gavin Stone Dodgers pitching prospects could be um, shut down closers if if they went that route. So, um, that I, I'm, I've been meaning to do like an article or a podcast at some point where I just kind of rank the 10 or 15 or 20 best like straight relievers in the minors and you know, try to pinpoint who the next class A or Munoz could be. But um, that would just take a ton of time. Uh, hopefully I, I have that time at some point. Uh, field of schemes. Is Emmanuel Rodriguez moving up just due to others moving down, or is it due to what he was able to accomplish statistically prior to the injury? Uh, with Rodriguez, uh, I bumped him up. I mean, kind of a 
like, I, you know, I mentioned all the, the great work, um, you know, like, like Tom Trudeau and Ross Jensen and uh, just countless others do, do a ton of great work looking at um, statistical outliers and that type of thing. Um, he, Emmanuel Rodriguez rates very well on those, uh, you know, in part because he has, um, he has a, he had a 50% hard hit rate this year prior to getting injured. Uh, he's, yeah, he had a 20, 29% walk rate. So there's stuff you can point to with Rodriguez, uh, that can get you pretty excited. Uh, extremely risky still the strikeouts, you know, they're, they're going to be there until further notice. Um, you know, coming back from that injury, still probably two years away from the majors, best case scenario. Um, but I think he's he's proven that he's got a really high ceiling as a as a power hitter. And then uh, another question about Emmanuel Rodriguez with the Twins. Uh, Toolsy asked, "Would I rather roster Rodriguez or Dustin Harris?" Um, have those guys four spots apart in the rankings? in the high 50 or in, in the 65 to 70 range. Uh, I'd take Harris. I just think he's, he's proven more, um, more track record there of, of performance in the upper levels of the minors. I think he's uh, pretty well-rounded, um, obviously closer to the majors, but if, if you just, if you're just all about upside and you can afford to be patient, then maybe you go Rodriguez. Uh, cheese beef, Chaz beef, uh, seems like Victor Acosta has not slipped as far as his uninspiring ACL might suggest. If you're holding him in this range, what do you see in his future? Uh, looking at later players like Matthew Lugo, Jonathan Mejia, Leonardo Balcazar, who all look like more exciting players at this time. Um, yeah, Acosta, he he hasn't done anything special, but, uh, he hasn't been awful. Uh, I think he's he's held his own. He's done fine. So I'm going to give him a a bit of a, I'm going to be a little patient with him. Um, just given how much I, I liked him coming into the year, but that said, I mean, feel free to just keep churning that spot if you, uh, don't want to be patient with him, you know? Like maybe you didn't have any opinion of on Acosta coming into the year. So really, you know, some advice for just broad advice. Like we're talking, like I have Victor Acosta at, at 237. Like anyone, like if you have anyone like from 200 to like 300 to 400, like if you want to, there's really not much separating these guys once you get down into like the second half of the rankings. I mean, it's really just kind of, I did my best to rank them uh, the way that I would value them, but I mean, it all, so much is changing so fast. There might be a guy that I have at like 240 that you, you prefer a guy I have at like 320. Don't hesitate to make that move. Just get the guy that you want to have rostered. Whoever, whoever's most exciting to you, uh, go that route. Um, okay, and then here for for, for kind of you know wrapping things up, I have some people 
asking about guys missing from the the rankings. Uh, CW said Louis Varland back on your radar with these impressive AAA performances. Uh, that was just a whiff by me. Uh, I had not noticed what Louis Varland had done in uh, three AAA starts. Um, gee, he should definitely be on the rankings. Probably should be, you know, two hundred, uh, if not even a little bit higher. So Louis Varland, if anyone's looking for an instant ad of someone who I don't have ranked for those leagues where like everyone on my top 400 is rostered Louis Barland, although he's probably rostered um, in those leagues already. Uh, Joshua Roberts asks, where is Lloyd L Chappelle for you? Does he have to prove more because he's old for the level? Well, um, being almost 21, and in the Dominican Summer League is, uh, yeah, saying he's old for the level is putting that mildly. Um, even when I see 19-year-olds and even 18-year-olds in the DSL, I'm just kind of like, eh. Uh, so 21, 20, just, you know, get back to me when he's doing something in full season ball, I guess. Um, and then to close things out, Bricks asked, uh, or he says, Josu De, De Paula, that's J-O-S-U-E De Paula, has an intriguing power speed blend. Nice blend and looks like an absolute stud in the making. Why no love? Uh, that's another one that kind of fell under my radar. Now, Josu De Paula, unlike Chapelli, is age appropriate for the DSL. Um see he is a young 17 and he's walking more than he's striking out he's got five homers 16 steals so that he's got the blend um yeah i mean i think i i would rank josu de paula if i if i could redo these quickly um which i won't uh it'll be for people that listen to the pod or i uh, want to check out the article but yeah uh, another guy that just fell under my radar um so uh, I think that'll that'll do it for me today with the mailbag episode. Uh, definitely check out the prospect rankings, and I'll have this in article form for you on the website tomorrow. And uh, just one month left. Um, good luck to everyone in your leagues, and uh, I'll be back with you next week.